Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 345 on Tuesday, the 4th of August, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm not Andrew, I'm Daniel. Um, and in a week where the McLaren F1 suddenly seems old hat, we'll be talking about diesel gate, but only a little, thankfully. There are lots of executive movements and motorsport is coming, making a comeback. Hurrah! Yeah, thanks for behind closed doors. Yes, behind closed doors. A, a little bit. Well, no, a lot behind closed doors. Um, yeah, yeah, Dan, thanks for joining, by the way. No, um, pleasure. Just, pleasure. Just so that people know. Uh, so, Dan Puddicombe obviously who's who's uh who regularly sends us stories um so we thought you should all get a good chance to listen to him uh, and hear his voice as well um but do you want to kick off with some follow-up uh yes so uh as as i hinted um we are still talking about Dieselgate. Uh, how many years on? For, what, what's this now far, five five years on far too five many years, years on. on mate far too many years um on. Uh, yeah, so Volkswagen is asking the US court to reconsider its ruling on diesel emissions updates. This is a story from Automotive News Europe. And basically, um, it's uh, Volkswagen's asked the US, uh, the Ninth Circuit US Court of Appeal to re- reconsider uh, a ruling that said that only two, two countries could potentially seek uh, billions in financial penalties over excess diesel emissions. The big, uh, I mean, it's absolutely nuts. This really isn't it? Because it's because yep. um, the challenge here is is that it's not just about the initial diesel gate um, problems. Uh, this is actually about the the modifications and the the fix that Volkswagen implemented, yep. and and that's what the problem is and that's why volkswagen is saying look look look! if you do this it's going to stop people ever trying to actually fix problems they've they've had uh, because you could be making it worse yes yeah i i mean <laughs> and the judges in, in the story which you can click through in the uh, description. Uh, the judges said that they were mindful that our conclusions may result in staggering liabilities for Volkswagen, which is quite an understatement. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, it's, yeah, nuts, nuts. But stuff. yes, so so in in 2018, um, yeah, uh, the, the the judge said that the automakers' uh, penalties could potentially reach 30.6 million dollars a day and uh, 11.2 billion dollars per year so that's a, that's a lot of money it's a rid- to, uh, yeah it's a ridiculous amount of money um yeah so that was i mean that's all the follow up uh, we've we've got this week uh new news it's moving into holiday time in europe so new news is doing what it always does at this time of year and sort of fading off quite a lot um, despite the the large numbers of of new car launches that are going on at the minute, that's really where all the news is, and and obviously we don't we don't normally cover that. Um, but there's there's been an awful lot of um, musical chairs at the top of of yep. car companies over the last couple of weeks. First bit of news is that the replacement for Bernard Meyer uh, as the boss of Skoda, which we covered a couple of weeks ago must be three weeks ago because i i believe we i talked about it um uh, has been announced and that thomas schaefer 
Um, he comes from, uh, well, he comes from within Volkswagen, unsurprisingly enough. Uh, he has worked at, at Daimler, uh, but he also led Volkswagen Group in South Africa. So, yes, another internal appointment at Volkswagen, which is, gosh, what a huge surprise that is. Yep. Yep. Uh, moving swiftly on to, again, another people-moving story. Uh, Ford has announced that Jim Hackett is to retire uh, in October. He is currently president and CEO of the company. Uh, he he is 65, according to the Ford media release. Uh, but, um, Jim Farley is going to succeed him as the uh, company continues, as uh, uh, open quotes here, as the company continues transformation, close, close quote. Uh, but yes, so Jim Farley is currently Chief Operating Officer, so it, it's a logical move. Um, it, it seems to be, yeah. yeah, And it, and it seems to be an, an amicable uh, an amicable one. As well. But yeah, my, my, my question will be, where does he go after that? Because, I don't know, well, 65? Yeah. Well, he's Can't going to continue... As, that age. Yeah, but he's going to continue Perhaps. as a special advisor to Ford um, mm. until March 2021. So that okay. keeps him. That'll keep him. That'll keep him busy for a little while, and then I'm sure he can decide what to do there. So um, he could go just about anywhere. Well, <laughs> I was going to say he could go just about anywhere he wanted to. Probably not at yep. the minute, yep. no. Um, but yeah, he'll. I'm sure he'll find a, a, a sort of uh, um, uh, what's the word? Non-executive directorship somewhere. Yes. If he was, yep. Brit- if he was British, he definitely would. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of British uh, and car companies and people moving around, then of course the the replacement for Professor Sir Ralph Speth uh, was announced the other week as well, um, and that replacement is Thierry Bolloré, uh, who was the former boss of Renault. Uh, remember, we covered it at the time. Um, he left the the French brand in October 2019. Um, and I'm sure has been tending his garden beautifully uh, since then. He's <laughs> he's a, a bit of a controversial choice, though, isn't he? Um, pe- people are saying he'll either work or or, or not work. Uh, yes, yeah. I, I mean, he he had an interesting spell at Renault, didn't he? Mm. Uh, and obviously, who he took over was an interesting figure in itself and uh, you, you, yourself and Andrew have discussed that story at length so we won't go anywhere uh, beyond that but it's, it's just interesting to note just for listeners uh, just just in case they make the same mistake that I did uh, Thierry Bellore has nothing to do with the uh, with the company which which runs quite a few charging charging points in the UK and indeed France mm-hmm. so yeah there's some use Useful trivia there for you. Yeah, because that was that was news to me as well. Actually, I I'd assumed there was there was some sort of connection. Um, yeah, they, it's people were commenting. I, I noticed on on the twitters that people were saying, well, it's going to be interesting uh, having someone from, you know, the, that's a very academic French uh, yeah. business background, and um, the West Midlands, uh, and just how that's gonna how that's gonna go. Um, with that sort of fusion of what am I trying to say here? That sort of the, the, those two very different, um, yeah, two very different uh, uh, cultures. That's the word. 
Well, it, 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 it's the same with Germany. The UK isn't it? Germany has a very different culture to the UK. So, you know, so we'll just wait and see what, what happens to, to JLR in the coming years. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and, but and it can, we'll, the, we'll thing is, the thing is, by the way, that it can work brilliantly, says the man who's worked for a French company for almost a decade and a half. So, so yeah, it's, it, it can, it can be absolutely cracking. So, so let's, you know, you, you can't really judge it on that. Yeah, and that that moves us quite nicely into the second year of our story of the week. If you want to explain all, Alan. Yeah, um, it's great. I'm being told what to do on my own podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, JLR is reporting significant impact of, of COVID nineteen as losses mount. They um, they released the April to June figures. Uh, sales down forty two point four percent. Um, and a four hundred and thirteen million pound pre-tax loss. I, I, you know what? I don't think that's too bad. Believe it or not, uh, I think everybody's been really hit, really, really badly. Forty-two point four percent down April to June. It's not. Yeah. You know, if you think how shut down the world was. It's not too bad, and the new defender seems to be doing really very well. Um, there's there's building demand, quote unquote. The the uh, yep. autocar story on this, uh, and it has actually outsold, um, it's outsold every model other than the Evoke and the Range Rover Sport globally. So yep. so people yeah. people want it, which is good. And, and I mean, Jaguar is still quite an aspirational company for for Vehicle. You know, to to buy into, mm. um, and also JLR have got a transfer new products which have come out, so that helps. Um, and yeah, it, it's vehicles are are very popular, which no doubt helps its cause. Um, and those S M T figures, which you just read, read out, they're not the worst in the industry by far, are they? No, no, absolutely not. Um, yeah, we seem to have just missed the SMMT figures this this month. I think that they they come out tomorrow, don't they? Um, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. I hate months like this where we're always six days behind everyone else. Uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I, it's it's not great news. But on the other hand, I don't think it's absolutely awful news uh, either. No. I'm not not shocked. Not not horrible. Um, what isn't great news though is Mitsubishi. <laughs> Mitsubishi is going to pull out of the UK market and indeed uh, the rest of Europe, if I if I'm believed, uh, if yeah. I've read this correctly. Um, but yeah, in a letter to its network, uh, Mitsubishi basically said it's not foreseen. Uh, well, it, the importer was completely taken by surprise, mm -hmm. just like the rest of us. Um, but yeah, Mitsubishi, so this is this is a lot down to down to Renault and Nissan. Yeah, this um, was a. It's but, worth mentioning that this was a corporate decision by Mitsubishi yes. corporate to to basically uh, phase out, phase its way out of Europe, uh, as opposed to uh, the UK importer called Colt Car Company uh, saying yeah. that they're not going to bring any more in. So they've been as caught as caught by this as I think the rest of us have been because yes. the new L two hundred seems to be seems to be successful that's um, that's what i was that's what i was trying to say 
you, but you've explained it a lot better than me. So it, it shows who shows who is a regular podcast host here, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, but uh, but the, the story that we've got in front of us, and uh, the link will be in the show notes, uh, says that the yeah that, that Mitsubishi basically just said its current profitability in Europe is uh, is at its lowest ever level at a time when obviously you have to to meet increasingly stringent regulations, look at the latest Euro 6 or, you know, European legislation. The uh, European average CO2 figures are increasingly coming down. And when you're trying to build big pickup trucks, they probably don't contribute very well to them. Well, they, they don't count, they get counted under the passenger of course. car figures. Of, of, but, of but, course. Yeah, even that for the for stuff like, you know, the ASX, at least they've got stuff like the Outlander Fev. Um, uh, in in the range there, uh, then then it's really difficult for some of these yeah. these companies where where Europe isn't their main focus. I mean, Suzuki's having yeah. a terrible time of it, and it's not because yeah. people don't want to buy their product or they can't sell their product. It's 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 going to cost them lots of money if yeah. they sell the really popular models. And yeah, I uh, yeah, I the whole euro just, the whole just, but... euro what euro. You know the ninety-three gram per kilometer uh, yeah. grams per kilometer fleet average um, is it's driving me nuts because it's it's killing all the interesting cars. And by that, I don't mean the expensive cars. I don't mean the powerful cars. I don't mean I don't mean you know I don't mean supercars and stuff. I, I just mean the small, interesting, useful cars are just being crushed yeah. by it. And I. I uh, I get upset because I'm a car person. If you're not a car person, you don't really care. You go, well, I'll just buy this. Uh, I'll just buy this boring machine over here. I mean, that 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 leads us on quite nicely to the next story. But just before we do that, um, you mentioned about the, the the Fev, and I remember a few years back that I read quite an interesting story that the MD of Mitsubishi UK at the time, Lance Bradley, um, he had to really convince. Uh, Mitsubishi to to um, to sell the Fev at the same price as the equivalent diesel, and Mitsubishi basically said, "Well, okay, you can only price it at the same same price if you think you can sell ten. I think it was ten thousand units a year, something like that." And mm. obviously, Mitsubishi UK went and did that, and it was a runaway success. Did they um, the absolute, Fev, they absolutely crushed it. At the start, with, yeah, with, the, with the, the Fev basically was 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 the blue was the blue port is the blue point uh, blueprint even uh, for all plug-in hybrids. So yeah. yeah, so Mitsubishi were really ahead of their time. Yeah, they, they really were. It was it was um, for plug-in hybrids. I feel it was the Prius equivalent. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, the next story was uh, it's lots of polluting cars and, and and sort of tangential stuff this week. I'm so sorry, everyone. There is a, there is a report by a campaign called Badvertising, and you can see where this is going, mm-hmm. uh, which is calling for adverts for large polluting cars uh, and should be banned. Doesn't really make sense. Um, but yes, they're saying that the government should count down on sports utility vehicle car adverts the way it curbed smoking adverts. Um, yeah, despite, no matter how your SUV is powered or anything like that, they're saying that, that it should be, because it's an SUV it should be banned. 
Thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, I, I mean, as soon as I saw this story, then it reminded me very much of a, of a chap, um, and I uh, it called uh, Gareth Dennis. He's a, he's a railway engineer, and he's very very environmentally focused, and and he likes to uh, to say ban this, ban that, and he's and he's repeatedly said, oh yeah, the government needs to ban um, all SUVs, just put in blanket bans because they're polluting but people said well hang on a second no not all suvs are polluting um electric ones aren't polluting for instance you know going back to that story going back to the last story about the case not at point well yes i'm just going to make sure that that that's in there because otherwise somebody will go they do pollute you know because the Uh, internet of, of course, but 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 the but the point that I always make as well at this point is that car manufacturers, crackers as it sounds, make vehicles that people want. So if people want SUVs, <laughs> but mm-hmm. the the manufacturers are still going to keep on building them, despite even if even if the government bans all advertising, which I don't think it will do, because. No. Because it's because it's a ludicrous thing to be saying. Yeah, precisely. I should point out the report is from the Green Think Tank, uh, verbal inverted commas my own, uh, called the New Weather Institute and the climate charity uh, Possible, saying that the yeah. trend towards big cars is propelled by aggressive advertising. Um, I, I have a funny feeling that they have a particular slant on this. Uh, yes. <laughs> and I don't know if it's it really driven by aggressive advertising i know that my sister's looking to move from a c segment hatchback to a, a maybe sort of c c or c stroke d uh, suv and you know what it's got absolutely nothing to do with advertising it's got a lot to do with it it's much easier to lift a small baby in and out of it yeah yeah uh, yeah i i mean as, as i said kind of carrying on from my point it's crackers as it sounds but people choose for vehicles which suit their needs the most mm-hmm. i mean steve gooding in this um in this piece from the rac foundation summed it up perfectly he basically just said that people spending 70 grand on a new car aren't swayed that much by advertising they're more attracted by the brands and banning advert won't make banning adverts won't make a, a great deal of difference yeah. Okay. SUVs, yes, okay, they, they, they've boomed in popularity over the last few years, but that's because every every car manufacturer and their dogs have been making them. Mm-hmm. That's it, basically. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with what you're saying completely. So yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. Let's just see. I mean, there's there's lots of other things uh, like the twenty thirty five. Um, purely into yeah, or twenty thirty two, or twenty thirty, or, 2030, or whenever know, it is. I, did you hear me slow down? As I tried to remember <laughs> what it was this week, um, and it's it's that's coming anyway. So frankly, what's the point? Um, yeah, it just seems a bit weird. Says says man who's all for uh, EVs, yeah. hybrids, plug in hybrids, and all that yeah. kind of thing. It yeah. just it's it's tackling the wrong part of the problem. Uh, to yeah. Me. I, I, and all, and also, people need to have free choice about, you know, if you want to spend seventy grand on an SUV, fine, do it. But you can't just ban. Or, or I, I know this group isn't specifically saying ban all SUVs to to the level that, that some other people <laughs> they're might. They're only that but, far from but, it, though. Aren't they? Come on. Precisely, precisely. It, it, you're one step away by saying, okay, I don't like SUVs, therefore I want them banned. Hmm. That's what they're basically saying. 
no, I don't like football, but I don't want to ban football because I, you know, I, I have no interest in football. But you know, if it gives people some pleasure to watch some people kick a ball around every Saturday or whenever, fine, so be it. And I'm not going to stop them from doing it. Yeah, I got my soapbox there. I, I get, you did a bit. Yeah, great. There's nothing else I could say to that. Uh, okay, off the soapbox and on to fuel tax revenue then. Yes, um, in in a, in a not very surprising story <laughs> of a week. Um, Statement of the bleeding obvious. Uh, yeah, yeah, well, the yes, really, yes, yeah. yes. Um, there's a story here, courtesy of Motor Research, which basically says that uh, Treasury coffers uh, have been hit by a 2.4 billion plunge in fuel duty, fuel duty revenue during April May. Uh, Surprise, surprise, because of COVID, you know, lockdown. Um, diesel fuel duty uh, revenue uh, fell by the most. There's a surprise, given that nobody's actually buying any diesel cars at the moment. Uh, it plummeted by fi- almost 50% uh, to $1.5 billion over the two months. Um, there were definitely a lot fewer, I mean, you're saying about diesel cars, definitely a lot fewer trucks on the road. Yes, because because yeah. I guess we were. Well, I don't know. I was going to say because we were buying less, and I really don't feel that I was buying less. I was actually having more stuff delivered to me. Yeah, I, I was just about to say that. You, you mentioned that perhaps there may not have been as many diesel trucks, but there certainly would have been uh, more diesel vans on the roads because all all of the big um, logistics companies they've been clambering away to get as many vans on the roads as possible, haven't they? Well, we saw the other. Was it last month the Ford? Tran- the Ford Transit outsourced yeah. was was out registered the um the 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 best the most registered yes. car so um was it in no you you have to correct me here because I haven't looked this up surprise surprise but either in March or April the Mercedes, one of the Mercedes Benz vans and Caroline at Merck is going to kill me for this, for not remembering which one. Okay. <laughs> um, give you a nasty out, kick on the knee. Well, yeah. yeah, well, yes. <laughs> um, what was the most registered vehicle in the UK for that particular month? Which I, think I, it was a new, I think it was a new Sprinter. Yeah. Um, From memory, I'm, it was a new Sprinter. I'm to look this up. But for two months in a row, the Mercedes-Benz Vans uh, Sprinter outside all car models... Um, and uh, in, in in May, uh, it was the most sold uh, vehicle in the UK with 917 registrations. So again, that sort of goes back to what we were talking about with um, with how damaged the car industry was during during lockdown. Yeah, yeah, and yes, I mean definitely that those mid-sized vans because we we're all ordering, ordering, yeah. ordering everything online, um, groceries and shopping and. Whatever else, I think at that point Amazon were taking just about anything that was that was available. Really, I've, I've seen I've seen a, a a Maxus, for example, in Amazon livery. I saw yeah. a picture of the other day, and it was just yeah. like, whoa, yeah. whoa, you're desperate if you're at that level. Yeah, I, I mean, right around here, down in, in the West Country, then we have a bloke we were beating up around it who who, did, who delivers via the Amazon parcels. So we're not we're not good enough supposedly for for their proper logistics arm, but but it, yeah, it's I, all right. I mean, I'm in the Midlands, and neither are we, so don't worry about it. Well, there we go. So London, London has everything, doesn't it? Again, yeah, so, yeah. yeah. humbug. Yes, but it also is London. <laughs> Uh, anyway, speaking of right. speaking of Londoners, you really don't want to give any more rates to. Um, it's, uh, I didn't actually mean that. Um, 
cyclists, the potential changes to the highway code so that there is a hierarchy of of road users, uh, which would mm -hmm. aim to give cyclists, pedestrians and horse riders uh, greater protection as part of proposed changes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, as a cyclist, as a cyclist, I actually I, I don't ha don't really have a problem with this as long as it's not abused by yeah looks again at the list of people oh horse riders uh and like yes. and the kind of crazy cyclists that you get in london because london yeah. cyclists are horrible yeah i i haven't ridden a bicycle in london very often but i remember my first time uh i was um i was out and about with andrew brady who's a fan a friend of the show and hopefully a fan of the show as well um and and he, he suggested that we should ride Boris bikes across London. And it was a terrifying experience and one which I never want to do again. So I, I, I can understand why 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 in cities um, the cyclists and horse not necessarily horse riders, but, but cyclists should be given more road space. But again, it does worry me that, that perhaps this is all a move towards giving these scooters... Um, uh, the, the the rights to to to, to go on the roads and uh, my views about e scooters are fairly well known that I think that they're awful and that they are dangerous but we won't go into that now. <laughs> um, but I suppose it. But I, I suppose look, being pragmatic about it, as long as as long as cyclists stay off pavements, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I I agree with that one. It's it's it, it's a fun challenge around here. There's quite a lot. There's an yeah. industrial estate near near here, that way, and uh, quite a lot of people commute by bike, um, but they do it yeah. on the pavement without lights, uh, without reflectors or yeah. anything. And it's it's one of my yeah. one of my real bugbears um, that that they that that really they should no. I don't even want to say that they should be on the road. The trouble is, there's actually lots of space. And it would be there yeah. is actually enough space for there to be pavement, cycle path, roadway. Yeah, uh, yeah. without yeah. without issue. Um, and I really wish there was. Um, yeah, I, I mean it, it's an interesting government consultation document. Um, I'm sure that you'll put the link in the description. Mm, absolutely. Um, but um, but there are other bits to it as well. So the revised highway code could include references to blanket 20 mile an hour speed limit in urban areas, which is good. And there's also specific references to electric car charging points and cables in there. Although I haven't found that on the consultation document. But, but again, that's a big. Again, those those are good. The other thing yeah. that they're they're that they're, they're looking to advise people to use is the Dutch Reach. Which is far less exciting uh, than the name suggests, uh, mm -hmm. but it's where you where to open the, the the door of the car. You don't use, for example, if you're in the driver's seat here in the UK to get out the right. You don't use your right arm to 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 yeah. open the latch. You actually reach yeah. over and use your left arm. That which turns your body round so that it you actually see stuff coming down the side of the road, and that's yeah. how they yeah. the sort of people yeah. get into the habit of doing it in Holland. Um, and yeah. that stops, you know, you opening your door out into, well, just generally yeah. into traffic. Never mind if it's cyclists, just generally into traffic. Yeah. It's yeah. something I keep meaning to train myself to do, but I've never really quite managed. Mm. 
Well, yeah, I mean, this goes back a few years now, it doesn't it? Where Chris Grayling just opened up a opened up a car door onto onto a passing cyclist. Mm. <laughs> so again, so it goes back to that whole thing where everybody needs to be a bit more aware of, of everybody else, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But that's, but that's a very boring. That's a very boring answer to to a question. <laughs> But yeah, but but if you're in the back of a car, particularly, it, it's it's yeah. very difficult to tell what's coming. Yeah. Anyway, one last story before be, be, before guilt minute, uh, and it's about parking sensors, and it really doesn't say what I would expect a story about parking sensors to say. No, I, I'm really confused by this one. Um, this is a story from Fleet News, uh, and apparently, according to a survey. Uh, by a company which I'm not going to name because I don't want to give them uh, the publicity <laughs> for putting out this survey. Sure, uh, as bad as Andrew, almost, I tell you. Almost, almost three quarters, seventy uh, percent of fleet managers either agreed or strongly agreed that technology such as parking sensors de-skill drivers to a detriment of driver safety. So I, I'm baffled by this, um, honestly, because you, you would think parking sensors are quite useful. I think the um, part there... And also save fleets money as well yes. by, by avoiding pranks. I think the bit that they're, that, they're, that they're probably voting about isn't so much the the driver safety bit, but the de-skilling drivers bit. Because, yes. Because I, I, I hopped between cars um, when I was away on holiday. Um, and get going between going between a car with a reversing camera and reversing sensors and everything else and yeah my own car has a reversing camera despite the fact that it is a b-segment hatchback yeah and hopping into a 15 year old yaris with neither reversing camera nor 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 sensors uh, all of a sudden yeah. you realize just how out of practice you can get because mm. you've relied on on reversing cameras mm. and you're you're a lazy scrote like me but but presumably you could say the same about satellite navigation units and maps. You know, when was the last time that you looked at a map, at a map when, when you weren't sure where you were going because you're so used to having sat-navs? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I'm playing devil's advocate here, but surely you move with the times. And especially fleets and company cars, they, they replace their cars every three years or 60,000 miles. So you would assume that company car drivers would be fairly okay with the technology and move with the times you would hope, well, well, yeah you'd hope so you would hope so wouldn't you i mean it's it's um i i, I think regular l listeners know and stuff that i that that my you know our family company is is a haulage company and ev everything gets yeah. sensors and everything gets all the appropriate yeah. all, all that yeah. kind of stuff because you know what it's a lot cheaper than replacing the rear the the rear door on a kangaroo yeah you yeah know, it, yep. it, and it's the same. It's the same argument for installing telematics devices, isn't it? You know, you can you can save hundreds, if not thousands, a year on fuel costs and all mm -hmm. sorts of other bills, repairing and maintenance, just by being able to monitor and see what drivers do, and you know, give them friendly nudges to say uh, that, that they should be a bit a bit less. To say, please, would you stop parking outside the the bakery at lunchtime? It's really obvious. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, and, nope. and and also to stop them getting parking time, getting parking fines. But uh, yes, go. yeah, well, that, that's a bit that doesn't really happen so much. But yes, we've, we've no. had the why were there three vans parked outside the bakery at lunchtime, guys? Yeah, come on. Yeah. yeah. Yep. 
that's so that, that that's how sad and presently boring <laughs> boring having all having all these companies actually is it's, it's about that kind of thing rather than anything exciting um yeah. that brings us to somewhere about the middle ish of the show and that brings us to Guilt Minute, the point of the show where we remind you to think about and consider what the motoring podcast is worth to you. If you think it's worth a small amount of your hard-earned cash, then please do head to motoringpodcast.com and click on the orange Become a Patron button right there on the front page. If you're already a patron, then you are absolutely awesome, and thank you so very much. Uh, we understand that not everyone has the disposable income to do this, uh, so please don't forget to uh, like rate and leave feedback uh, via the podcast player of your choice if you've done all that then you absolutely rock uh, so how's about costing a friend who you think would really enjoy this and tell them all about us if for some reason you don't subscribe to the show how's about doing so for free uh, making sure that we come to you without the anxiety and worry that you might miss out on the next awesome news show but something that hasn't been around for a little while he says proud of his smooth link um is yep. formula e and formula e is coming back it's going to be today the day that this comes out yep. believe it or not it's the first two of six races uh at um templehof airport yeah just Templehof yeah berlin uh they're doing two races of the this this set so wednesday thursday they're doing two races of the um, of the the traditional Vertigomas yep. uh, Templehof course in reverse. So they're going to do three different. They're going to do three different uh, three different track setups uh, at, at Templehof. They're obviously going to do standard reversed. I imagine they'll do standard, and I don't know what the last one's going to be or what we can refer to it as. Um, potluck or something um yeah. uh, as as well so that's coming up over the next few days finally back to 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 formula e so. Uh, 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 so here is a question for you then alan yeah. are all of the races going to have different names you know like the you know like the, the british grand prix the second one is, is suddenly the 70th anniversary and every single sort of county in or you know italian region has a Grand Prix named after it this year. So will, will, will the Formula E, e organisers do that over I, the course of six races that they, they're doing? They don't seem to be. They've gone the they've gone the opposite it's way. Disappointing. It is. It is the Berlin E Prix presented by CMM Niobium. Which yeah, is snappy. Yes. Whoever CMM Niobium are. <laughs> yeah, I I'm not familiar with them either. Um most of them have been sponsored by ABB, who seem to have taken over from yeah. Qualcomm uh, yep. as one of the title sponsors. Uh, and obviously, and obviously, one person who won't be racing will be Daniel Out. Ah, oh, ah, oh, now he 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 is, isn't he? Is he? Yes. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Yes, I, because okay, now I, I should know this. this out. No, because I Sorry. should know this, but not for the uh, not for Audi. Be oh, racing right. because for the oh goodness I now can't remember which team I'm so here, here sorry was, I'm not going to look I it up. Try, here, here I was trying to make a topical joke. Yeah, it's backfire. It it did quite badly. Um, but oh, because one of the other teams with the the Chinese uh, drive driver he can't travel to Berlin. 
Oh, so they were oh, then right, looking okay. at they were looking at there being two. two they had a, a choice of two, um, and they 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 chose they chose uh, they they chose Daniel Ab because of course he's more familiar yep. with the current cars, and yep. um, so yes, he will be racing there, but not for what was formerly the Abd. I mean, e you, you you assume that a bloke in the bloke in the suit and car will be him and not some I, uh, yeah I have already made this joke yeah 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 it's it's like come on prove <laughs> sorry. sorry prove you are Daniel Ab no 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 <laughs> it's uh yeah great minds or, or, or fools I'll, I'll let you decide uh but yes so Formula E Wednesday Thursday of this week the uh the yep. what's the dates I've forgotten that uh the fifth and sixth right lunchtime read the lunchtime read is by Manji Gav, a friend of the show. Uh, it's on Retro Motor. Uh, it's all about the Citroen 2CV. It's it's a real story of a vehicle over well all, over all of its life. Um, I read it and it's um, really really interesting. Uh, the the hook into it is that thirty years thirty years ago um, last month at the end of last month the final 2CV was was assembled and. Um, Yes, yeah, so that, that gave him an excuse to um, to go through the history of the vehicle. Mm -hmm. It's really, really interesting. And it's uh, I, I t tell you what, what, what's really nice about it is that it's full of, um, the, the article is full of retro images, um, which really showcase the vehicle throughout its years. Yeah, I um, so I had just one of those little known things is, is that in amongst my collection of Toyota Yaris, I, I did also have a 2CV. But it was yeah. never road legal in the time I had it. Um, the idea was to yeah. to strip it and rebuild it as a project, and yeah. Um, yeah. I I stripped it, but I didn't have the skills or the space or anything else to to rebuild it, and and so sold it in in parts, which yeah. makes me sad to this day. One of my one of my few automotive regrets is that I never got Lumas the two CV back together again. But it, it's it's well worth a read. Well worth clicking and having a look at pictures at least yeah yeah it, it's it's an absolute cracker and it's major gaff so it's totally readable yeah um yeah. cool uh quick one there's been a designer's mood board uh in the last yeah. week as well so the former head of peugeot design uh gilles vidal uh is joining renault um so yeah, he's going to be joining the team and reporting to Laurent uh, Van der Acker yeah. uh, from November. So he's got yeah. a little bit more garden time. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's quite 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 cool. Quite a, a miss of major, uh, yeah. major swoop to move from one big French company to another big French company is is yeah. pretty unusual. And and also a good. Time. <laughs> Good time for the companies to get all those press releases out, given that there's not a lot else going on in it in August. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, the trouble is that France shuts down for August. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean they're they're well into it already. Uh, so it's a good yeah. time to be to be doing that. But um, Vidal is uh, credited with the current two thousand and eight, three thousand eight, five thousand and eight uh, SUVs, yeah. which which well, we, you, as people know, we're we're a bit of a fan of those. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, cracking stuff. That yeah. that should make some for some interesting Renault in three or four years' time. Yeah, I, I mean Renault styling going back, going back to the to the early 
noughties was was always interesting, wasn't it? So hopefully we can go back back to well back to that. Yeah, yeah but before it, that, it was a bit of a snooze fest. Well, yes, yeah, and, and then after that, then it's gone all very generic again. So, um, you know, you win some and you lose some, don't you? So, yeah, well, it goes in cycles. Same with yeah. all, same with all these things. It does does yeah. absolutely go in cycles. Yeah. Um, list of the week, though. Yes, is is uh, is courtesy of Goodwood, uh, and it's the eight best free spoke alloy wheels. Um, so a very niche list of the week, I would say. No, this is a fantastic <laughs> list of the week. I've been wanting this as list of the week for over a month now, and it's been vetoed every time. He's found something dull and worthy. So, so well, Andrew's away, quite, so I get my choice. It is very niche, but um, there are some pretty pictures in there, and there are some interest. I, you know, I I never really considered. What are the best free-spoke alloy wheels before? So, it, and from it, from, it, from the ones on the from the from the ones on the uh, on the list there, do, do yeah. you have a do you have a favourite of the eight? See, I, I'm just looking at them now, and I have to say that my favourite is, and I know this is going to sound controversial, but it's a Smart Roadster. No, ah, no, that's not that controversial because I was going to choose exactly the same ones. It just looks right. It, it it fits the car perfectly. I think that one of the reasons for that is because they're three stud wheels with three spokes. Yeah, and therefore yeah. it therefore it works. So I mean that's exactly the one that that's what I was going to choose. Yeah, it it just it just fits in the car. It, it's not show offy. It doesn't look stupid. It just fits the car. I mean the the dodge the dodge again is exactly the same. The and. Again, but I'm not going to spoil uh, the, no, the rest of the list. People but... complain if we go through the whole list. That's yeah. one thing we've learned. Yeah, no, but it's it's a cracking list of interesting stuff. Um, yeah. and and they're not necessarily the ones that you would choose straight off. No, uh, and, like and it made and it made me think about oh, which, which is my favourite one, and which which cars would which cars that didn't make the list would I put on there? So it's a nice thought provoking article to click through. Yeah, I like those ones. I, I, I'm, I'm, yes, yeah, I, lo- I love articles like that. Yep. Nice, nice listicles. Um, yep. And finally this week, we're going to join in with everybody else and mention the Gordon Murray T50, the son yep. of McLaren F1. Wouldn't Not the kind of thing we'd normally talk about on the motoring podcast, but I am a bit of a McLaren F1 obsessive. Um, and 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 I did the running order this week, uh, <laughs> so so I get to talk about it. Um, I just think that this is this is kind of kind of awesome, really. It's it's got all the stuff yeah. that was cool in the McLaren F1, uh, but brought up into the twenty first century. Um, yeah, it even looks it, good. It will, it will be interesting to see whether or not this one's one of Gordon Murray's hit or misses, because in the last few years, some of his some of his designs have been very hit. Some of them have been very miss. Um, so let's wait and see. Mm-hmm. But it's a very, very crowded market, isn't it? Well, yeah, but they're, they're saying that they've got... I think what they've got uh, above all else is that they said, right, we're, we're making 100. Yeah. And they're going to cost this much. And um, yeah. and I think that it has the... It, it has the 
the the kudos of having Gordon Murray behind it, precisely, as opposed to just being another fiberglass Geneva show special. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From 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 a chap from Slovakia who you've never heard of, for instance. Yes, yes, and financed by financed by a Russian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So so I think it's going to be going to be kind of cool. There's um. I mean, the highlights really for people are are advanced active aero. Uh, both yeah. underneath, on top of, and sticking out the back of the car. Um, the, yeah. the one bit which I think is weird is is the fan on the back. There's a 40 centimeter diameter fan that, that essentially creates a long tail um, effect, uh, aero mm-hmm. effect of, of air. But of course, you know, if you're going through and you're trying to collate Gordon Murray's greatest hits, then the um, the Brabham fan car has to be in there, yeah. uh, even though it was banned. Yeah, yeah. Definitely agree, um, but that that is that is Gordon Murray all over, isn't it? He, he yeah. was he was in, innovative and ahead of his time. Look at McLaren F1's free seating arrangement uh, for proof, which this which this inherits any. as well. Yeah, the T fifty inherits that too. Um, so stuff. We'll link to the Autocar article. I see that Harry Metcalf has a video as well. Um, so do just about just about every outlet is covering this. It might yeah. as well be a, be a be a Tesla story. It's had that much coverage today. Um, but that pretty much winds us up for for this week. Um, so Dan, thanks so much for joining. It's, no, my my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's it's really been great. So where can people read your read your work and find out more more about you um, and, so and I, stuff that interests you? I, I am a freak. I, I am a freelancer, so uh, where, where people can read my work all over the place. Um, the best place to find me and uh, is via Twitter. My handle is that car geek. Um, when I created my Twitter account, then it was when I was fourteen, and it sounded quite clever. But when you read it out, then it doesn't sound as clever, um, especially because I don't tweet that much about cars at the moment. Um, and when people do click through then they'll probably find uh, a lot of um, railway-related spam, given that I'm on a charter up to Shrewsbury when this comes out. Which is which is quite a good way to travel, really, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Um, best form of public transport. So. I, yeah, 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 yeah. I can't really agree. I disagree too much with that one. Yeah. Um, oh my, uh, on Zoom, Zoom is this week for me. Uh uh, Monday evenings at eight o'clock uh, um, to watch live. Uh, it's also on. It's also on the YouTube's. Uh, obviously, um, I was mostly mute this week. Don't know what's been playing happening with my connection. Um, so, so yeah, I was pretty much unintelligible, uh, which is probably an advantage. Uh, special editions, of course. Uh, don't forget if you are looking for one uh, for something else to listen to this week. Um, then then there's always those from the website as well as the news shows uh i have a couple of ones that i want to organize and arrange over the next few weeks so the friday special editions should be back relatively soon it's the usual story it's just trying to find time to actually do them loads of topics and loads of people to speak to there as well Um, and also the and also review uh podcasts are always worth a listen to Exactly, well, and then they can be listened to are, m- many, many times. Which our friend Andrew hosts and controls and runs and does a very good job of interviewing interesting people from the motion sphere. Any any particular favourite people that you'd recommend? Uh, someone uh, to? I, 
I, I mean, I always, I always enjoy the uh, the Roy Lanchester one. Just yeah, for the fact, just for the fact that Richard calls him Ian throughout the the whole <laughs> podcast, which always amuses me. It's an absolute cracker. Yes. So uh, if you go the Royal Lanchester one, um, I'll put a link in the show notes. But if you just type Lanchester uh, into our yeah. search, into a search and motoring podcast, then that should that should come up. Um, yeah, that brings us to the end of the show. I feel so out cool. of practice this week. Uh, but everyone, don't forget between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our Patreon offer uh, and the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support. And please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast yeah. app lets you do such a thing. To get in touch with me, it's best to use Twitter, where I'm at ajp bradley to get in touch with andrew who uh, will be back before very long search for cracked windscreen on twitter we'll be back soon but until then i've been alan bradley and i've been daniel podicum and safe motoring <laughs>